Hi guys, it's Rach. Welcome to another episode of the show and a new series, well, a series with a new name, but a series we've been doing for a while, which is Hotline. So I really wanted to call this series Hotline Bling because I just wanted to bring Drake into the mix, but instead we're going to go with something a little more traditional so you know what you're getting in advance. This is Ask me anything, or in this instance, ask Rach anything. For today's episode, I am answering questions that came into podcast hotline from women all over, all over the place. We have women calling from all over the world, actually, which is really cool. I'm going to keep saying that I don't think we've ever had a dude call in with a question, and I know you're out there because you came to speaking tour and. You bump into me at coffee shops and you say hi in an elevator and you sheepishly are like, I listen to the show with my wife or I listen to the show with my boyfriend. And I just think it would be awesome to balance it out. So if there are people who identify as as dudes and you want to call in and ask a question, it'd be great to have a good mix of that. That being said... Today, I've got some really good questions that I think will be helpful for y'all. I choose hotline questions based on what I think most of you are interested in, struggling with, identifying with. And today, we're talking about being willing to share your story. What does it look like to write your own book, start your own podcast, create your own content that starts to speak? to your truth and your lived experience. And our last question is, I think something most of us can identify with is dealing with overwhelm. How do I deal with overwhelm? How do I manage it when I feel like I'm struggling, my kids have struggles, what should I do? Who should I focus on? That's what we're digging into today. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. These are the answers that I'm bringing today to the best of my ability. But if you have a question for me, you can call into the hotline. The number is 737 400 4626. 737-400-4626. You'll hear some of these calls leave their name and their information and some remain anonymous. However you want to do it is up to you. We are taking this to the next level though. We are for the first time ever looking for people who will call into hotline, tell us the question and be willing to do an episode with me. Like, would you actually talk to me It can be anonymous, but would you actually talk to me about the question that we could play here on air? Because actually, I think there's so much nuance and context that I can't get inside a voicemail. So when you call hotline, 
If you're interested in that, make sure you leave your information. Leave us your number, your email address, so that we could reach out and possibly do a hang, well, a Zoom hang in real life. All right, let's let's jump in. Let's go to our first question. Hi, Rachel. My name is Nicole. I have been hearing from God lately that my story is important and that I should share it. I run a business and I believe that God is preparing me for an even bigger platform. However, I know that my story is not just my story. It is also my parents' story and some of my friends from back where I grew up. I understand that they might feel embarrassed about the past or not agree with my perception of my life as I experienced it. I also know, though, that sharing my story could help so many other people. So I was wondering, how did you go about deciding to share your story? And what should I consider beforehand as I move forward? Nicole, thank you so much for the question. And for the consciousness that you're bringing to what you're wanting to do. Because if I'm being totally honest, I don't really think I had that consciousness when I started. Now, y'all will remember, especially Nicole, if you've been around since the podcast was called Deus, shout out. that Those are the beginning times. Those are 2017. That is the history nerd in me who wanted a It's a whole thing. If you know what Deus is, you know what Deus is. Anyway, but in the beginning, if you've been around that long, you remember I was a blogger. So I wrote every day. I wrote content for my blog. My blog was my job. It supported, you know, five or six staff over the years. Like it was a thing. And much like today, the content, you always had to be producing content. So I wasn't even really conscious when I began to write about personal things. So if you listen to my interview this week with astrologer Jessica Lignato, apparently this is part of my star chart. I'm just learning about astrology and I didn't know anything really about it other than the fact that I was a Capricorn. But she's like, oh yeah, you are, I can see it here, you're really authentic, you say what you mean, you share your whole, all your business, you put it out there. That's honestly just how I am wired. I don't even hesitate to tell someone the truth about what I'm feeling or thinking because I don't know, it's just who I am. So when I had a blog, I would always weave personal stories. I wouldn't just say, here's my recipe for making a turkey. I'd say, oh my gosh, I learned this recipe because one time on Thanksgiving, I was hosting and I accidentally caught the turkey on fire and I was so upset and I just felt so much shame because I felt like I'd ruined it for my family. Like I always just told those stories and that evolved. To be honest, I had a partner that wasn't wired the same way. Most of us have partners that are not wired like us and because he had a really big job and he had come from the world of PR and the entertainment industry, I think he was interested back then in a lot more walls and protection around our private life. And I kind of didn't know any better. So when I wanted to lean in, the first thing I ever did that people pushed back on was I wrote a story about having Bell's palsy. 
And Bell's palsy, if you're not familiar, it's facial paralysis. The whole left side of my face, I've had it three times, whole left side of my face is paralyzed. It sort of falls like um, an inch lower than the right side of my face. Can't blink, can't move my tongue, can't move my mouth. It's like a whole thing. And I wanted to talk about it because when I got it for the first time, I had never heard anybody talk about having Bell's palsy. And I had a picture of my face when it was paralyzed and it was not an attractive photo. I was wearing an eye patch. I had a paralyzed face and I didn't think anything of it. I put the blog post up and put that photo, which I think if you Googled Rachel Hollis Bell's palsy, you could still find that picture. And my husband at the time, I was working with a PR team at the time. Everyone was like, you have to pull this down. You need to pull this down immediately because I had put this unattractive photo of myself on the internet. And they were like, the internet's forever. Like people are always going to be able to access this. And I was like, okay. I mean, it happened. It's real. It was so weird. And it made me feel really nervous about what I had just put out into the world. Well, this was back when blogs had a comment section. That blog, if it still existed, if they're still there, I mean, it got thousands of comments, the emails, the people who have come up to me over the years, so many women who have come up to me and said, thank you for talking about that. Thank you for putting that photo up. I had never seen anything like, I didn't know what I had, like, it was so helpful. And it was helpful because I was telling my story. So Nicole slash anybody else who's listening, you will hear me say this again and again and again. If you came to see me on tour in October, you heard me say this, like the world needs your story. I really, truly believe that because I can only speak from my lived experience, right? I can't tell Nicole's story. I can't tell Sarah's story. I can't tell Tasha's story. I can't tell Paul's story. I can only tell my story. And in my story, so many people have found commonality, have found that they don't feel so alone. They felt connected. They felt normalized. And I'm just one little person telling my story. So imagine what happens if more and more and more of us begin to speak our truth. Suddenly then, people who don't look like me or didn't grow up like me, aren't American, aren't white, aren't cis, aren't female, aren't mamas, aren't any of it. They, those people, start to tell their stories. And then people like them see themselves. There's a reason why most of the people who listen to my show are women. Most of the show, people who listen to my show are mamas. It's because they're like, oh, she's like me. It's the same for you and your story. Now, that being said, I started this conversation by acknowledging that Nicole is doing this in a conscious way. I wasn't really conscious at the time. This was, gosh, 2008. So this was a while ago. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just writing. I was just writing and like speaking my truth. And it's interesting getting to the place where I was writing Girl, Wash Your Face because that was so many truths. And I had so much pushback from lit agents, editors, publishers, absolutely my ex-husband, family members who are just like, you can't talk about this stuff. Luxury. 
is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Not to toot my own horn, but in 2017, when I wrote that book, there weren't books that were like, I peed my pants, I have back fat, I have hair growing out of the mole on my butt, I have postpartum depression, I have debilitating anxiety, I am uncomfortable having sex. Like, That wasn't a thing. And I think that me and a lot of other people being willing to be embarrassed, being willing to speak our truth, being willing to tell our perspective, it really did open up a way of communicating, whether that's in social media, podcasts, or books, or whatever form of communication, that now it's totally normal to see that stuff. But when I sent Girl, Wash Your Face in 2017, I sent that to every publisher in North America. And the opening line of that book was, I peed my pants last week. 99% of people were like, I don't know what this is. Because remember, guys, this is like Pinterest moms and everyone's perfect and we got blowouts. We had just learned to use a filter. Instagram's popping. This was not the time when people showed their realness, their humanity. So imagine that this goes to every publisher and two, two publishers out of all of them made an offer on that book. Made an offer on that book that went on to sell 5 million copies, 6 million copies, like one of the most successful books. And everybody turned it down except for two people. And ironically, The editor who chose that book, who was like, I want this, this is a thing, I don't like totally know what this is, but this is a thing, was a man. He was a man. And I, he has since passed away, so it makes makes me sad to think of him. He was an incredible man, and he was an incredible champion of mine. His name was Brian. He was so gentle and so sweet, and the fact that he saw something in that book and saw something in me as a writer that nobody else saw, that it was okay to not be perfect, 
and in fact that there was something interesting in the imperfections. But I need you to hear me, Nicole, that nobody in my life, nobody, was like, oh, this is the book. And to be honest, even the publishing process as the book was developed, even that sort of wanted an edit. Even that people wanted to mold and shift and shape. People want us to live into a very specific identity. They want us to choose a lane and this is who we are. And when I wrote Girl, Wash Your Face, it was like, oh, we like you because you're this funny, truthful, authentic, Christian woman. And this is important. I think I've talked about this before. I must have written about it or talked about it in a podcast episode. I did not write a Christian book. Girl, Wash Your Face is like, was just such a huge, massive book in the faith space. It was on, if you went to the bookstore, you found it under spirituality, Christianity. That's where that book came out. I never in my life made it a goal to be a quote-unquote Christian writer. I don't identify with that at all. That is a label and a moniker that someone else gave me. I was raised Christian. I have a lot of beliefs from my childhood. I have a lot of beliefs about spirituality and spirit guides and the universe and source energy too. I never set out to write a faith based book because frankly, I knew that that was a label or a brand that I was never going to be successful at. I have always talked about God. I've always quoted scriptures. I'm a preacher's daughter. I'm a preacher's granddaughter. It is a part of who I am. But if you want me to fit into your ideal of what it is to be a good Christian woman, I'm going to fail every single time because my God is bigger than any denomination. And it's just, it's interesting because we're trying to speak our truth, but we're never going to be able to speak our full story. I can keep writing until the day that I die. You're never really going to know my full story. You're only going to know the perspective from the moment that I'm writing it or where I'm standing in, or frankly, how it's received. Think about this. If you're friend from church gave you girl wash your face and said, oh, you got to read this. This is so incredible. And you know she's referencing scripture and she's talking about God and being created for something more. You're going to be like, oh, wow, this is a great book for me to read as a Christian. But if on the same token, your friend who is Wicca who's a witch or uh, you know not religious at all, but they're just deeply into their spirituality, they give it to you and they're like, read this book. She's referencing scripture, but she's talking about your creator, whatever. You're going to see that through the perspective of like, oh, she's talking about source energy. She's talking about something. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. The reason I tell you all of that is Nicole, it doesn't matter how well you try and tell this story. It's never going to be your parents' lived experience of that moment. Or your friends from back home, it's never going to be their lived experience. So the first question we have to ask ourselves when we want to tell a story is why? 
why do we want to tell this? Because even I find myself sometimes, I'm working on a new book right now, I'll start to write something and I can feel my heart rate go up, my stomach gets sick, I'll get, my blood pressure will rise and I'm writing feverishly and it's, I mean, kind of nice because I can write really fast in those moments, but I realize, oh, I'm angry and I'm writing this because I'm angry and because I want to tell my version of this story and that is selfish as a creator. That does nothing except stroke my own ego and reaffirm my narrative of myself. The only reason that I should ever be creating, in my opinion, is because I want to be helpful to y'all. Because I want to be a channel for something greater than myself to Maybe there's some wisdom here. Maybe there's some truth here. Maybe there's something in this that will be helpful to you guys. That's the only reason I should be creating. Because when I start to fight for like my perception and my, and this is what happened and this is how it happened, oop, we've gotten off the path. We're not living our purpose now. Our ego's driving the car. So I guess it's about truly why. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to tell this story? And making sure that you are in your right place before you begin to do that. My next piece of advice is if you know your why and you feel really confident that this is what you should be talking about and this is how you should be helping people, I give myself the gift when I'm telling a story to tell it however I want to in the first draft. In the first draft, here's my whole truth. So there's a chapter in Didn't See That Coming where I talked about feeling abandoned by my parents as a teenager. And it was the first time I had ever really told that story. It was the first time that information would be out in the world. I never had that conversation with my parents. I never talked to my mom about how that felt. I really felt like I wanted to say it. I felt that it was important to put out there. But the chapter that you all read in that book is wildly different than the chapter that included all of my truth. My truth was a lot harsher. My truth was from the pain point of a 16-year-old girl who felt abandoned. But after I allowed myself the catharsis of just writing that as it is, I then went back and edited. And the question that I asked myself was, is this my story or am I telling their story without their input or permission? That's the big difference. I believe that we have the right as human beings to speak our truth. But I don't believe that our truth should include someone else's information. So everything you've ever read about my family, my past, my ex, every single person read and signed off on that. When I had written Didn't See That Coming, you know, the, the opening chapter of that book is about the fact that I had written a first draft and then my marriage officially broke up before edits came around. And I knew that when that book came out, I would be going through divorce or divorced. 
And I knew there would be a disconnect, like, oh, I am, I wrote this whole book about living through hard things. I'm living through the hardest thing in my life. I have to address it. So I wrote, I rewrote the opening chapter of like, this is happening in real time. Here's what it, here's what it is. And even though we were going through divorce, I gave that to my ex-husband in retrospect, I, I sort of wish I had stood up for myself or realized that that wasn't totally necessary, but I wanted to be decent. So I gave him that manuscript, and there were parts he didn't like. And I didn't even fight. I just removed them completely. And it's the same with my parents. Like everything I've ever written about, I have shown them, and they've been like, yeah, that sucks. That's brutal, but that's the truth. Or I can see how that is your perspective. But that would be my advice is uh, let yourself have the catharsis. Write it out. Even if your chosen medium isn't writing, let yourself put it all down. And then in the edit, only tell the parts of it that are your story. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash hosting. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Mm -hmm. 
The last thing I'll say on this, and this is a really big and important one. You have to know that you are telling your story that will include other people, even if you're not speaking their truths, that will include other people, that those people are stable enough to handle you telling that story because not everybody is. And there are people in life who you might have a really good, incredible lesson that you could teach inside of a story that involves a specific person, but you telling it about them would create such chaos and such drama and such pain for you that it's not worth it. It is absolutely not worth it. I believe that I have the right as a human being to talk about my experience in the last five years of my marriage and everything that's happened since. There's a wealth of information and lessons that I could use those stories to teach and illustrate about. There are truths I could tell. There is this part of me that wants the validation of everyone knowing my truth. And I will never tell that story. I will never tell that story because it just is not worth it. It's just absolutely not worth it. So I think that's just a really freaking honest answer for you to think about that. It's a balancing act. I think that there's so many parts of our lives that can be lessons and that can be helpful and that we can teach from, but maybe you leave out the parts that involve your crazy grandpa who would just go talk to the National Enquirer after your book comes out. And, you know, it's just, just make sure that you are making choices that are safe for you energetically and emotionally. And maybe there are other people who would say like, fuck that, tell your truth, like whatever, like this is who you are. And maybe you're an Enneagram 8 and you're down to be a challenger and you then you do you. But as always, the answers on these episodes are just my opinion and perspective. And I want peace in my life. I really do. I really want peace. And I try to keep the chaos at bay as much as possible. So there are parts and pieces that I won't ever talk about. All right, guys, let's get to our next and last question in today's episode. See what we have. Hey, Rach, my name's Presley. I've been a longtime podcast listener uh, and I love all your stuff and I have all your books and one day I'll get to come to one of your conferences. But hey, I do have a question. I have been trying to start a retail shop for about six years now, and I find myself in this period where I'm so close to my goal, but it still seems so far away, and it seems that I lose my momentum. Um, so do you have any advice on how to keep that momentum going and how to keep staying positive and, and uh, eager to get to the goal, even though you're so close, it seems so far away? But anyway, I appreciate everything you have ever said and ever done. 
for all of your followers. You are truly an inspiration. I know it sounds cliche, but you, you're just great. <laughs> so, hey, thanks. Anyway, have a great weekend. All right, Presley. I'm actually going to take this answer in a very different direction. So the question is, I've had this goal for six years. I want to start this retail shop. I keep getting off course. I keep losing my momentum. And when I saw the headline of this question, because the team goes through and they'll just put a little like note for me and say, you know, this one's about motivation. I was like, oh, great. I can talk about motivation all day long. I thought that I was going to tell you how to stay motivated against a goal that seems like you're never going to get there. What I'm actually going to talk about is some woo-woo hippie energy stuff. I want to ask, before we jump into motivation, I'll prob- I promise I'll give you a little idea for how to stay motivated. But before we get there, can we dig into energetically, is there a reason why you have not achieved this goal yet? Energetically. What I mean is that if we look back on our life for five years or 10 years or 15 or 20, I think each and every one of us can see moments where we were praying for something. We wanted something so badly. It's got to be this woman for us. It's got to be this man. It's got to be this dream job. I want this house so badly. We, We had this hope, dream, goal for ourselves that didn't come true. And at the time, we were devastated. But we can look back with hindsight and go, oh, that didn't come to fruition because the universe had something so much better lined up for me over here. And this can happen in really big ways. Like when I was going through the adoption process and wanting to adopt my daughter, we had so many failures and adoptive failures where like it just didn't work for one reason or another and they were devastating and I was so upset. And if any of those had worked, I wouldn't get to snuggle every night with a five-year-old and read Chicka Chicka Boom Boom and sing Cat Stevens before we go to bed. If any of those things had come to fruition, I wouldn't have Noah. And I can think of a million times like this, much smaller examples, bigger examples, but is there a reason energetically this hasn't happened? So just as a very long-time entrepreneur, my first question is, why a retail shop? Why anyone would want to start a brick-and-mortar retail store in 2022 is, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. The cost of rent is so expensive. The cost of employees is so expensive. The insurance, the workers' comp, the if someone gets injured when they're in the store, the cost of having all of that product in-house. The reason I'm saying that is because so many people, small businesses, big retail, have had massive success with an online store. So I guess I'm just curious, why retail? Is it that you really love the interaction with customers and you want to be able to see people physically in a space or you feel like your community really needs that? You want to build this safe haven for people to come together. And I would love to own a coffee shop where people come and work and dream and create and we have delicious coffee and it's a vibe and there's cool music. Like that would be so fun. I feel like I'd be so great at that. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to pay a lease? I don't want to 
make sure we have enough milk. Like <laughs> there are things that are we idolize as this really cool option. And we chase the dream, chase the dream, chase the dream. And we do it so much that we never ask ourselves if this is the dream worth chasing. So before we talk about motivation, can I ask you to take a step back and see what is the goal? Because if you know the goal, you know, I want to own a retail store with beautiful clothing that makes women feel inspired and creative and like badasses. Okay, do you need a physical location in order to pull that off? Do you need a physical location in order to have the thing that you want? Or was that just the first idea and you haven't been able to let go of it? Or is the goal, no, I want to make money to support my kids. I got to make money. I got to have a job. Okay, well, then there are way smarter ways to sell the product you want to sell without involving this whole heavy energy of a brick and mortar store. So start with what the goal is and work backwards from there. Let's say you're like, no, my dream, my goal, it's a store. It's a store because we are going to create job opportunities in our community. We're going to hire people and give them job skills and life skills. It's really important that we have a physical location. Okay, awesome. As long as you know why it has to be that. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. That being said, I would draw a roadmap. I think you said you've been trying to go after this for about six years. So I would draw a roadmap of the last six years. Where did the dream start? Where is it right now? And I want you to put on there everything that came along the way. Went and looked at properties, signed a lease, but it fell through, hired three employees, brought this, like, do a roadmap of your business or of your goal. First, do all the wins. Here's all the things that I did to push this dream forward. Then go back through and identify all the pitfalls. What were the things where you got off track? I, and I literally, I draw this out, Presley. I'd, I'd make a map so you can see visually what this looks like. Where were the pitfalls? Where were the things that I thought I was heading north, but in retrospect, I was heading due east? Where are the times that I invested money in the wrong thing, where I trusted the wrong person. Like, let's look at it. Because my instinct for all of us is that if we look backwards, if we look historically, we will begin to see a pattern emerge. I can tell you without question, every mistake I have made in my business since I became an entrepreneur 20 years ago, every single mistake has a core philosophy behind it. Every time it is that I did not listen to my gut, but trusted someone I perceived to be smarter than me, that I trusted the quote unquote expert, that the little girl in me who feels insecure is like, this doesn't make sense, but I don't know better. I'm just a dumb girl with a high school diploma. Every single 
mistake financial, energetically, emotionally, every single time. That's what's at the core. So if you can do that with your roadmap, you can identify those times. If that's the case, then I bet when it starts to show up again, when you see yourself doing this, you'll stop. Not right away. You're still going to make a few mistakes in the same way, but you'll be able to better Catch yourself, catch yourself quicker, catch yourself before it's a full catastrophe, catch yourself before you get way off course. Oop, this is that thing I do. This is the 12 year old version of me who doesn't trust herself. And you keep coming back again and again and again, realigning with that North Star, realigning with where we're going, realigning with the goal. The motivation comes from traction. Traction is moving forward, traction is gaining ground. That's how we get motivated. We get motivated by seeing results. You're going to arm yourself with knowledge so that you feel more empowered so that you begin to make real traction without getting thrown off. It's the same as I've told you guys a million times about this book, Intuitive Eating. Cannot recommend it enough. But there's this whole chapter where they talk about binge eating, which is something I have struggled with for most of my life since I was a teenager. I would feel emotional, feel sad, feel angry, feel something, and then I'd self-soothe by binging. And then in my brain, I was like, well, you just screwed up your day, so you may as well keep eating. And then the next morning, I'm like, well, you screwed up your weekend, so just keep going. Like I, The binge would create more binge. It just would go and go and go. And in this book, they talk about the idea, if all you got back was all of the binges, how much would your health change? And I'm like, oh, it's astronomical because I eat really clean, really healthy, but then I'm having these binge periods that are counterbalancing everything I just did. So if all I got back was not binging, that would be huge. And by the way, the advice they give you is like, so just, there's no bad food, eat when you're hungry. It just as a side note, part of the reason that we binge is it's like, it's naughty right? It's like there's something emotional about it. It's you indulging. It's you going, I deserve this. It's like, or you're giving like the middle finger to the version of yourself that was trying to like take care of yourself. It's like all of these emotional things, very few actual physical requirements inside of a binge. It's all emotional. So for you, if all you did was get back all the distractions, holy shit you would be miles down the road. And every time you catch yourself to keep yourself from getting distracted, you reaffirm, you re-empower, and you're motivated without even trying because you're seeing results. That is my best advice for you staying motivated, is asking yourself if this really is the goal or are your guides trying to protect you from making a mistake? Is there a reason that you are not having this come through? Is there a reason that this flow, that this energy is blocked? Because sometimes it's us, but sometimes God, she is up there and she's like, "Woo! I got to save you from yourself. Your rejection is God's protection. She is like, I mean, imagine 
if you had opened the retail store in February of 2020. Holy crap. Or like me, I signed a lease for a new office. We had 60 employees. We projected we'd have, you know, 100 within a year. So I signed a massive office, signed the lease in January, I think January of 2020, and had an architect come through. We're going to build it. It was like a big warehouse space. We're going to build it all out. The build out was $150,000. And we needed an office space. At the time, our 60 employees were divided up into three different buildings because we kept outgrowing our office. That's January. Have the architect come through, get a plan. That's February. March, you know, 2020 is off to a hell of a start. We had rise in Fort Worth. Shout out to all my Florida girls. In January of 2020, we had Toronto in March, beginning of March. We're like, this is amazing, about to be the year of our life. And then COVID happens. I think four other rise conferences booked for the year, tons of money invested, millions of dollars invested. And I remember every day the executive team coming to me going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I'm like, I have literally no idea trying to figure it out. And like all of us, right? I'm like, well, we'll be fine by June. You know, our next event's in June. We'll be fine, which was hilarious. We go into lockdown. All this stuff's happening. It's the beginning of COVID. I'm still like, we're going to be okay. Because we just, there was no example of that historically, I had no example of anything like this happening before. We'd signed the lease two years. So I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm going to pay this lease no matter what. I'm going to move forward. But definitely a very huge mistake that I made in that time period was because I didn't know and because all of these vendors, all of these contractors, I had given my word. My word means everything. So $150,000 to build out this office. I was like, well, we can't not do that now. This company's counting on it. It's so dumb. Actually, this is worth discussing, kind of the same topic, but not. I remember being like, no, we promised this contractor. It's someone we worked with before. I love him. And everything was shutting down. And I'm like, I remember he was like, are you guys still going to do this? And I'm like, yeah. Because I I was like, I have to, right? I'm everyone's savior. This is a huge fatal flaw of mine is believing that I got to take care of everybody financially. Woo, lots of therapy on that one. But I was like, no, we have to do this because otherwise what's going to happen to him and his company? So yes, let's have this build out. And by the way, the lease, the monthly lease on that office was $12,000 a month plus the financials. You and I both know if a contractor says 150, it ends up costing, you know, 210. Build out this beautiful office that we never ever used. By the time we even could come back into an office, the company was like 20 people. And it's so ironic because you know who one of the best businesses in COVID was? Contractors. You still, in Austin, Texas, you still can't hire a contractor to do anything because it's so popping. Everyone works from home now. So they had all of this opportunity. His business exploded. 
And because I had had this weird, like, oh, I got to take care of everybody and I got to do this thing, I hemorrhaged, just hemorrhaged. The company just hemorrhaged money. Oh, my word. Because I had signed a lease at the beginning of 2020. Y'all, that lease just finished in 2022. $12,000 a month I paid for no one to go anywhere. (laughs) Oh, my word. Oh, my word. It was such a blessing when that was finally done. Such a blessing. But Presley, imagine if you had started that retail shop at the same time I signed my lease. The universe was talking, man. But I wasn't listening. And maybe you'll be smart enough to listen. Maybe you'll ask better questions. Maybe you'll see this rejection as God's protection. And if that's not the case, then you'll take a deep dive to arm yourself with information so you can know better, so you can be better, so you can make smarter choices to get you to that goal. Guys, if you're still with me, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. If there's any podcast that you listen to regularly, it's the best thing you can do for a host is to subscribe so you never miss out on an episode. We've got so much incredible content coming for you this fall. Pumped. Hopefully you listen to my conversation with Jessica Lignato about astrology and mediumship and my birth chart. It was a fascinating conversation talking to... Dr. Emily Nagoski next week about sex, how we can feel more confident in sex, how we can feel better, what's the science of it, why do we sometimes love our partners and want to rip their clothes off and sometimes hate our partners and want to rip their heads off. There's an actual explanation for that, so that's coming back next week, but make sure you subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind, tell your friends. Lots of you listen to this every single week. I hear over and over. I listen to every episode, every episode. And I'm like, oh, cool. Tell others. I love you guys. I'll be back next week with more conversation. Until then, I love you. And I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.